Hey, I just want to jump in real quick and let you know about our free private Facebook group that I've just started for all our podcast listeners. Now, this is a great place for all ambitious Christians. We can talk about all the latest strategies and tips and advice we've learned from everything from inside to outside of this podcast, everything there is to do about achieving your God dream. I'll leave a link in the show notes down below where you can check it out and join for free. Also, if you're enjoying the Son of Man podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review. This will help me on my journey to empower more ambitious Christians from all over the world just like yourself. But anyway, let's get on with the show. Hey, I'm Paul and welcome to the Son of Man podcast. This is a podcast for ambitious Christians who are working towards their God dreams. For me, God has put it on my heart to end homelessness in New Zealand. So join me on this journey as I talk with experts about how we can learn more about God, dive deeper into our finances, have better relationships, work smarter, set better goals, and live healthier lives so we can achieve our God dreams. If this is something you're interested in, make sure you follow this podcast on whatever platform you're currently listening to this on. And without further ado, let's get right into this week's episode. Hey, what is going on everybody and welcome back to episode number 8 of the Son of Man podcast and guys I have a very exciting interview to share with you guys today. I've just finished editing it and I'm just recording this intro separately and you are, I guarantee you're going to get so much value from this. It's done with Chad M's Manbridge. I've got his book here. Um, it's all about you can handle the truth and it's basically about reading the Bible and how to better read it, how to better understand it, how to make sense of everything and put it together as one collective story, not as separate books, but one collective story that leads to Jesus. We talk about so much, we talk about um, taking scripture out of context, we talk about translations, we talk about study Bibles, what Bible should you read, how to just get an overall picture of the Bible. Now this sounds like it's just basic knowledge or basic steps but for me as someone who's been a Christian for around seven years or so now there's so much stuff you can learn from this and it's changed the way I look at the Bible it makes me excited to read the Bible and so guys if you're ready for this um, get ready because you're going to learn so much get your notepad out take notes record some voice memos and without further ado let's get into episode number 28 of the Sunday podcast with Chad M's Mansbridge. Chad Mansbridge, welcome to the Sunday Man podcast how are you? I'm good thanks mate thank you very much for having me. Oh, I'm like, we were talking in the intro, but I'm actually genuinely excited for this. I've, I've been reading, you've actually sent me the book. And first of all, you're Australian, uh, so you're kind of finally talking to someone kind of close to New Zealand. And two, the stuff in this book is actually really interesting for me as a Christian and learning about all this stuff. Just even uh, about all sorts, how, as, as I was saying in the intro, it's actually quite foundational knowledge. But a lot of people, well, in my experience as a Christian, doesn't it, you don't actually get, really get taught that in church kind of mm. get assumed like we're talking about translation we're talking about context all that sort of stuff which can actually be very easily put to the side which without it the bible actually doesn't make a lot of sense if you don't understand those sorts of things so i'm very excited to talk about all this stuff personally and i know everyone listening will be as well but without further ado why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background uh, cool, bro. Well, I actually uh, had the privilege of growing up in a christian family um i'm now 40 something 43 years of age, something like that. Uh, I got married fairly young. My wife and I have four kids and uh, we planted uh, a church in my hometown uh, when we were 23 years of age. So we've been leading a church now for uh, 20 years um, in a place called Victor Harbour. It's just south of Adelaide. Uh, so uh, in South Australia, kind of wine wine region, we live on the coast and a um, little bit like Tauranga. I've been to Tauranga a couple of times, a little, little bit like that maybe, you know. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I've been over to uh, to your, uh, across the ditch a few times. I've got a number of Kiwi friends over there. And uh, so, yes, in those 20 years of leading a church and, uh, and uh, you know, I ended up traveling uh, quite a bit, particularly in the last uh, 10 to 15 years, uh, certainly after I wrote my first book. 
And then this book came out in September 2021. Uh, you can handle the truth. And uh, yeah, once you know all this COVID nonsense is out of the way properly, we start getting back in airplanes again. Uh, I'll be hitting the road and hitting the airways and actually coming back to New Zealand, hopefully sometime to see my friends uh, over there maybe next year in 23. So we'll see. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited to get traveling as well. I just want to get out of here. But um, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I, I want to go back here. to Australia. I've actually never been to Adelaide. But okay. um, I've, I've done all the normal touristy stuff like Gold Coast, Brisbane, Melbourne, those sorts yeah. of areas. Never made it to Adelaide, but is that a is that a good touristy spot? Look, Adelaide's not that dissimilar to Christchurch. We're actually sister cities, Adelaide, oh, uh, to Christchurch. So, um, which is where uh, my good friends are uh, down there in Christchurch. So uh, it's it's kind of the same, uh, you know. Not as many damaged buildings or brand new buildings, maybe let's say that Christchurch has, but similar in some regards. It's well planned. I've got a feeling actually that both cities were planned by the same gentleman, uh, both oh. designed by the same guy. So it's like a grid-like structure. Uh, quite a few old old churches were kind of nicknamed the city of churches, uh, mm. but uh, world famous really for, as I said before, our wineries, um, mm. especially near the area I am, McLaren Vale or Barossa for uh, those uh, wine fans out there, and also our festivals, big comedy festivals and arts festivals and, and that kind of thing. So, so yeah, so no, Adelaide's great. It's, um, you know, for as a Kiwi, you'd, you'd, you'd fit in because it's not a big city, you know, it's not mm. like it's a city, but it's you know two million people live in our state, so it's not that big a deal. Uh, so um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's Adelaide. Oh, yeah, interesting. Um, before we get on talking some nitty gritty stuff, why don't you tell us why you actually you've been partying for twenty years? Why have you mm. decided to write this book in the first place? Uh, hey, well, the New Zealand mm. f- features in the story, <laughs> Paul. I kid you okay. not. So. Now, well, kind of. I mean, you mentioned before that uh, one of the things that is not often taught in churches is about how to read the Bible yourself, you know. Mm. And uh, depending on what kind of church tradition you're from, I'm from what many people, I guess, would call the Pentecostal kind Mm. of vibe. And generally speaking, uh, Pentecostal pastors and preachers are preachers. Uh, There's not so many Mm. Bible teachers. Uh, You know, they're more of a preacher than a teacher. And uh, so a preacher's more inspirational and hands-on application, you know, type of stuff. A teacher likes to get into the nitty-gritty, unpack things, etc. And that's actually more my bent, my vibe. So mm. I'd rather teach people. I'd rather. I'm very happy as a as a Pentecostal pastor to sit down on a stool and teach for 45 minutes and just <laughs> unpack the scriptures and do it. Pick a book of the Bible and do a series on it. Okay. So in some church circles, that's really normal. In our kind of church tribe, maybe not necessarily as normal. But that's more my thing. And and, uh, you know, if you look at Ephesians 4 that talks about the um, ascension ministry gifts, some people call them apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher, uh, their job is to equip God's people to minister for themselves. And so a teacher's job is not just to teach the Bible, but is to teach other people to teach themselves the Bible. <laughs> you know, a mm. teacher's job is not just to teach what's in there and say this is true, uh, but a teacher's job is to equip people to seek out truth and to discover truth for themselves. It's a little bit like the old saying, you know, if you, you give a man a fish or a fush, yeah. okay, give a man a fush. <laughs> and oh, uh, yeah, there's the first Kiwi joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here we go. Uh, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, mm. you teach him the fish and he'll look after himself for a lifetime. It's It's similar to that. So... Uh, why did I write this book? Well, because I'm a teacher at heart, and so I want people to understand the scriptures, but I want them to be able to handle it for themselves so they don't rely on me. They don't look to a teacher to tell me what's true. No, you can right. discover truth on your own, okay? Mm. 
And uh, But one of the big sparks for it actually was a trip to New Zealand, well, probably seven to 10 years ago, I was visiting my friends at Harmony Church down there in uh, Christchurch. And uh, we had a Q&A session as part of the conference. And there was a, the theme of the conference was around grace and glory. And that was actually the name of the conference. Right. And so a lot of questions were coming out. That was the emphasis of the preaching. And so a lot of the questions were coming out about grace. Okay, mm-hmm. And uh, as I was answering that question and my uh, old pastor, who's now a close friend of mine and mentor, Rob Rufus, was sitting next to me, were both being asked uh, these questions and bouncing off one another. And it occurred to me, you know what? If people just knew how to handle the Bible properly, they'd be able to answer these questions for themselves. You know, a lot, a lot of these questions aren't actually questions on grace, which was the theme of the, the conference. Mm. They're actually questions on how to understand the Bible. Uh, because when mm. I was a young person, and you found this out in my opening chapters, I kind of tell my story. My passion for the Bible really developed when I went on ecumenical Christian camps as a young kid and found out very soon in my teenage years that we all, all Christians have the same Bible, but we mm. come to very different understandings and very right. different conclusions, you know. Mm. And uh, it's not necessarily as easy as saying, well, they're right and they're wrong. You know, I don't, I'm not... Uh, not necessarily that that simple, but what it is uh, a product of is that we handle the Bible differently. And so we come to different conclusions because we read it differently, we interpret it differently, and therefore we reach different applications and conclusions at the end of the day. And so this whole subject matter of how to handle the Bible well, at that conference when all those Q&A questions were coming, and I'm just like, Gee, people, if you just knew how to handle the Bible, right, you'd you'd be fine. You know, you'd be okay. And so the next year I was invited back and I thought, that's it. I'm going to do a session at this conference on hermeneutics. Okay, that's the fancy word for Bible interpretation. Mm. I'm going to do a session on how to read the Bible for yourself properly. And in that session, it just got such incredible feedback and the pastors loved it. People talked about it for ages. It's on YouTube and it's, I mean, it's quite old now. I've developed my, uh, my approach quite... Um, or my presentation a bit since then. But mm. that kind of really sparked in me, both at that conference and in my home church, enough people saying, Chad, you really need to share this more and help people, particularly in our sort of church tradition, but also younger people who are younger than you. you know, I was in my 30s then, now 43. Uh, but help younger people to handle the Bible for themselves because a lot of books in this space that deal with Bible interpretation or hermeneutics, as I said before, oh, poor man, they are... <laughs> They're this thick, bro, and they're hardcover and they're full of technical terms. And I mean, I've spoken to people that have gone on, you know, after high school, they've done an internship type of thing at a YWAM or Bethel or or whatever, that type of thing. And they did Bible interpretation as part of their curriculum. And they said, look, we got given a book this thick and I've never opened it again. It was the worst part of the course. It was so boring. I don't remember anything, you know. And I'm like, well, there's a need there, you know, there's a need in... 20s and 30-year-olds and even older people. I mean, I've got people in my church in their 80s who've read the book and done the video course that accompanies it, and they're like, Chad, I'm still learning. I'm still learning stuff, you know. So Mm. it's a big topic. It's not a new subject, how to handle the Bible, for goodness sake. Christians and Jewish people have been arguing about this for at least 2,000 years, about how do we understand the Scriptures properly. Uh, So it's nothing, certainly not a new subject, but it is something that needs to have a fresh approach for a fresh generation. And so that's part of the reason I, I wrote you can handle the truth. Oh, that's a great story. And I think the great thing for well for the listeners is my experience is I probably got say 2015ish, so 7 years. Okay. And the yeah. whole time's been at a Pentecost and as you said you grew up in a Christian family, I didn't, so I didn't have that yeah. experience of 
growing up with that culture and those values and all sorts of stuff. So even, well, it's been a good seven years or so, but as you also mentioned about Pentecostal churches, that's what, where I go to. I, oh, okay. I have found personally, and I've been talking to friends about this recently as well, is we are often, it's, it's like, as you said, there are more, it can, like, there's a contract, I'm being careful what I say, but it can get kind of preachy and not pastorally. I worded that terribly, but you know what I mean? There's okay, a big focus okay, yeah. on um, services on a Sunday, but then it can sometimes lack the, I call like, what does context mean in a Bible or cool? What, like, what are the different translations and where should, what should you look at? It's not something you ever discuss. And we have like small groups or life groups or whatever we call them where you can dig more into that. So I'm not fully bagging Pentecostal churches because I go to one, but I think on a Sunday it can often gear towards more new people. Oh, I don't know. It can get towards new people and not go into the details as much about all the sort of stuff that you're talking about. Yeah, bro, it's not bagging at all. I think it's just an admission uh, with every strength comes a weakness. Mm. And generally the, 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 the strength of Pentecostal churches or contemporary churches is they're finding relevant ways to engage people in God's word and, mm. and how this is relevant to you today. So their focus is more on the, the here and now and the, this is what God's saying to you and us right now, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas a teacher uh, just has a different angle on them. They, they, they like to look in the past a bit more and start mm. there and take people back to Bible days and back to context. So you understand this is a historical book you're reading. There's context around it. And then look at life application on the foundation of what the Bible has always meant. You know, for 2000 years, it meant this and, and this has been the message and then look at practical. So it's uh, it, it, it may be a weakness or just a tendency, I guess I prefer to say that in you know, generally in Pentecostal contemporary cir circles, um, uh, the, the pastors who are attracted to those circles or those who are given the most pulpit time tend to be the more, uh, yeah, preachy yeah. Uh, type of private types, which is great. We need that. We need inspiration, yeah. man. The yeah, church needs inspiration and hope and practical application. All that's important. Uh, yeah. But those of us who have a teaching bent uh, tend to maybe be attracted to more quieter churches that like to think and, and you know, and uh, yeah. actually like the depth of intellectual discussion and, and stuff like that. So that's, mm. uh, but yeah, so I'm happy to have both, man. I'm happy to, yeah. uh, to, uh, to uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, have a good balance in our church of those two things. So, yeah, I mean, um, well, let's get let's get nitty gritty and talk about translations. I okay. remember in your book, there, I, I believe there's a uh, diagram and it talks about literal translations versus what was the the other type, which is. Yeah, well, there's there's some fancy terms. The um, mm. the technical terms are formal equivalency versus right. um, uh, versus uh, oh, what's the word. Gee, I haven't read that chapter for a while. Uh, versus dynamic equivalency is the is the yep. word. Look, the the idea with translations, and uh, there's plenty of YouTube clips on this that people do uh, to explain this, so it's it's pretty easy to to work out. Mm. That um, a lot of people ask, you know, what's the best translation of the Bible, or what's the most accurate translation of the Bible? Which one is the most accurate? And there's really mm. no answer to that, man. I mean, you know, interpreting a language, mm. uh, especially a complex ancient language. Um, you know, a Maori language or a, or, a, or a Polynesian language probably has these these issues as well as you'd find out in New Zealand. There's not always a precise science in in how to do that. Uh, right. You can watch someone speak, have someone give the interpretation in English, you know, just an interpreter, have someone else do it, and they might come up with different phrases and different words, you know, because yeah. there's a few ways you could go. And so it's exactly the same with, with getting the Bible into English. Uh, there's a different 
ways, different methods you can use. And essentially the two um, the, the two extremes, not the two extremes, but the two ways are uh, an approach that's either really word for word, like that's the Greek word and that's the best English, and that's the right. Hebrew word and that's the best English. And so it's quite word for word. But when you read those, it can appear a little clunky. Or the mm. best words to use are words like propitiation. And you think, okay, well, not everyone's going to understand what that means, but let's put it in there because it's the best word, you know. So yep. that's like a word for word. And other translators say, listen, we need to soften the language a bit and not so much focus on word for word for word meaning, but let's get the the meaning of that whole sentence. And let's put that right. sentence in a way that tr- that it makes sense to people today. And so we might take out the word propitiation because no one understands that today. So let's let's just... Tell them what propitiation means and insert that. And mm. let's soften the language a bit and make it more readable. So they're basically the, the two methods. And, and uh, Bible translators, when they get their committees together, or if it's a sole translator, they may have their own approach. They, they just try to work out their blend between the mm. two approaches. So that's generally what. So when people are choosing an everyday Bible to read, uh, there's a few considerations that they should have, and, and one of them is just how good a reader they are, really. I mean, you know, how, yeah. how, how much are you a reader? Some people are just better readers, man. They just read a lot. And if you're not mm. that good a reader, then you would need to look towards the end of something that's just simple to read. Uh, those who love digging deep into meaning and, and history and, and they like words, you know, then yeah. they'd prefer a word-for-word type of variety. And, uh, yeah, so that's where you need to ask others for advice, people who know you do a bit of research, but at the end of the day, the best Bible translation to have is the one you're going to read, mate. It's yeah, the one you're going to read, you know, get, which is the best Bible? Well, it's the one you've got to read, okay? Get that one. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm coming up to finishing off. It's, it's taken me a good seven years, but, um, well, I've read the New Testament a few times, but I've thought probably about halfway through last year, okay, I'm actually going to sit down and bang through this Old Testament because I've obviously read parts of it, it. But honestly, like, I, I struggled heaps. Oh, like, of course you did. Yeah. Uh, when you re- like reading the New Testament, by the time you get up to, like, what's the one everyone talks about? Deuteronomy and, like, Numbers and all those sorts of pages. Leviticus. Leviticus, that's the one. It's like, oh, man, this is tough. But I'm finally, I think I've got about 10 pages left to go in the Old Testament, so I'm getting there. Would you recommend... Oh, wow, awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, to be honest, I, I haven't cheated, but what, what I have done is now i got a new job where it's like an hour commute to work, so I just chuck on the audio Bible, and that's cool. that's getting me through like 10 times faster than I would have if I just read it. But um, would you recommend like most people when they're new to the faith start off with more of a phrase-by-phrase phrase interpretation, and then maybe when they've sort of got comfortable with that, maybe... I don't want to leveling up is the wrong word, but like progressing to a more deeper, like sort of when people talk about the new King James version, like you probably wouldn't want to start with, I mean, obviously people might just be into that personally, but as an overall, would you recommend people look to more like, I started with the NIV just cause I just got given it, which yeah, I assume is quite a simple, not simple, but it's no King new, uh, I'm shaking this new King James version. Um, would you recommend people go into more sort of formal word-by-word ones later or do you have any recommendations around that? Um, I don't. The best recommendation in the book that deals with deals with chapters, I've just opened it up now so I can show a graphic to those watching today, but uh, in the book that deals with translations, I make a point of saying, listen, I'm, I'm not going to recommend a translation to you, like a specific brand or a specific, because I don't know you. I don't, I don't right. know you, so how can I do that? Uh, but the best way to to pick an everyday reading Bible. Mm. Number one is to ask people who do know you. So use community, go on the advice of people who know you, a pastor, youth pastor, or whatever that is a useful thing to do. 
for goodness sake, you can talk to someone at a Christian bookshop, you know, <laughs> do you remember what those things are? You actually go to a shop right. and buy a book, okay? Yeah. So, uh, so you do that, do your own research on YouTube or whatever. Uh, but my basic suggestion is that your everyday reading Bible or your main reading Bible, because part of that chapter, as you remember, uh, Paul, is that I encourage people to have a few different types of Bible yeah, depending right. on their need. But for your main reading Bible, uh, get one that's written by or, or put together by a committee of people, and most Bibles are. There's just a right. few that were written by one person where that was their project. You know, like uh, one's called the Message Bible, another one out at the moment uh, recently called the Passion Translation. Mm. Well, these were one person's project and one guy translated it into English, and that's fine. They're, they're, they've got their pros and their cons, but one of their cons is that it's very much that person's uh, that person gets the the main say on yeah, how he right. translates it. So you're very much giving that person's bent. Whereas when you have a Bible that's designed by a committee of scholars, there's some mm-hmm. back and forth dialogue disagreement. They scrutinize it together to come up with how they think the best wording is. So it's just a little bit more of wisdom in the council of many type of thing. Mm. But in the book, as you know, uh, because it's it's designed to not be heavily technical, uh, right. I've also had an artist draw some cartoons oh, and sketches in it oh you That's did amazing. Bro? yeah good it's amazing because it's nice and uh, nice and approachable but one of them oh, this is terrible oh, how do we do this on yeah camera? that's one of them that's the one i was thinking of Okay, fine. So that's just a drop-down menu there. We just we just uh, picked twelve of the most popular Bible translations without um, you know promoting e- uh, any one of them, and just said, look, these ones are more on the word-for-word side. These ones are more on the phrase-by-phrase or thought-by-thought type of approach. Yeah. And yeah, generally, back to your original question, for someone starting out, uh, particularly if they're not a huge reader, okay. Uh, or like you, if they're going to uh, listen to it on an audio, then you want more of that thought for thought, where it's just simpler English and you get the you get the vibe. Okay, you get get, get more of the vibe because the word for one, the word for word ones do tend to be a bit. Uh, you do have to concentrate a bit more when right. you're reading. But yeah. dude, I reckon it's awesome. You read through the Old Testament. Um, uh, one of the things, one of the chapters when I talk about how to read the Bible, like at the start of the book, here's, here's some tips you need to know on how to read the Bible well before you even think about trying to understand it okay, right. or apply it to your life. You need to read the darn thing. Okay, so read it. Well, <laughs> yeah. this is how you read it. And one of the things I said is you need to read it intentionally. Yeah. Uh, set yourself a goal or a target or a project and read it intentionally. And that could be your intention is just to read everything you can about baptism. Because you're a new mm. Christian and someone told you you should get baptized. Well, guess what? I'm going to look up every verse I can about baptism, get on the um, you know, website, Bible Hub or whatever, search the word, uh, go back to the back of my Bible, look up a concordance you know, where it's got main subjects and read everything I can and you study out baptism. That might be your approach because you're, you're looking at a topic. Uh, your challenge that you set yourself, Paul, which I think is awesome, is to read through the whole Old Testament. Well, someone might think, well, phew, that's a bit too much for me. But what about First and Second Samuel? Well, what about that? Okay, mm. just read one and two Samuel because they're stories. Okay, they're, it's all about David and Goliath right, and all right. those kind of stories. So that's a little bit easier reading than Leviticus, which is a whole bunch of rules about killing goats. Okay, that's a bit hard. <laughs> that's a bit bit hard work. But yeah. a, a story, the story um, books mm. that, that actually tell a story uh, are a lot easier to to read and you might set yourself that goal. And when you do that, you just sit down and you read it like you're meant to read books from beginning right. to end. You just start it, start at the beginning and just read, you know. Mm. And I love the fact that you said you listen to the Bible like an hour a day on the commute to work or whatever because when you're doing that, you're not concentrating you're not going to get it all. Not none mm. of it. Not all of it's going to go in your head or in your heart. But right. that may not be your intention. Your intention mm. is just to stand back and catch the vibe of what's happening. Just yeah, to have a big exactly picture it, view. Actually, and I like that. And I actually, 
uh, encouraged my church a couple of years back and I put together a, a schedule where you can read through the Bible in a year and it had mm. weekly readings, not even daily because I just said, here's a week, here's a chunk of scripture, just get it done in the week. And I set out a program where people could read the Bible in a chronological form. So you can actually read the story, and then when a prophet speaks, then you read that prophet's book. Oh, and then you read the story, it. and then you get to Solomon, and you're reading about King Solomon, and it says there, King Solomon wrote all these books. And so guess what? That's where you read Proverbs. You read right. Proverbs then. And so I sort of set out a schedule. It's not a precise science. You know, a few things cross over. Like yeah. by the time you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, one week you just read Matthew. And the next week you just read Luke. You know, mm. it's, it's like you don't cross the books over. It's not too fanatical like that. But you catch the vibe. You catch the big chrono chronology, the story. Right. And if people look me up on YouTube, just Chad Mansbridge or Chad M, my middle initial Mansbridge, you'll actually find a whole playlist where I did 15-minute tutorials every week and I was looking down the camera like I'm looking at you now and I'm like, all right, guys, this week we're reading Leviticus and this is what you're going to see. Keep a watch out for this and this and this. True. And I'd give people a heads up and a bit of a tutorial on what they were going to read. Or if we we're reading you know, a, a narrative, a story, book, um, and then we inserted a prophet, I'd explain why we were reading the prophet at that time and just certain highlights and things to look out for. Oh, so I that was a huge that. project. Oh, bro, it was awesome. And it was actually for me... Dude, I was a pastor for, I don't know, what was that, 18 years at that stage. And I never read through the Bible in a year myself, you know. I was, actually, I was actually writing this, this book <laughs> and I was finding myself encouraging people. You know, reading the book in a chronological, reading the Bible chronologically is a good idea. Yeah. And I'm like, Chad, you haven't even done that, mate. How, how dare you tell, <laughs> suggest that to people when you haven't done it? Right. So I took like a year out of writing the book just to block out, I'm going to take my church through Bible in a year chronologically, do tutorials, and it was awesome. It really helped open my eyes. And that's where uh, one part of the book, and I don't know if you remember this one, but I, I dedicate a whole chapter in this book to explaining the whole Bible story from beginning to end mm. uh, to help understand the context. Here's uh, uh, the flow of the Bible, you know, in right. just one chapter. Here's the big story. And the reason I could do that pretty well was because I'd just come off the back of reading the Bible right. in a chronological form for a year. And I'm like, oh, it, it just, a lot of things fell into place for me. So, yeah, you can search yeah. that out. Just look at me up uh, on YouTube. And yeah, anyone can do that, man. It's there. It's, it's on the web. It's free. So, yeah, because yeah. I found I'd read like the first half of the Old Testament. I'm like, okay, this is really interesting. A whole bunch of stories and stuff. And then I go up to the prophets and I'm like, wait. What parts this again? Like, what, exactly. Like, what are they talking about? And then the annoying thing with the audio version, just on the U version Bible app, they don't they don't read the titles. They say like chap, you know how each like ah. within chapters they just have little like subheadings and stuff. They don't actually read that, so it actually takes away a lot of the context, which can make it actually hard to understand. Uh, what are we actually talking about? And and the reason they do that is because that's not part of the Bible. That's right. an editor's insert, and yeah. they feel like they're adding to the Bible if they did that. But you're right; it helps you as the listener the reader the listener to give a heads up actually, on what's coming yeah. yeah i find them helpful when i'm reading like the paper bible but yeah i understand yeah that. no so do i and and honestly like i think something's better than nothing so you listening to the audio bible is good yeah. but there's something about paper when oh, you read the bible yeah, that you can see more on one page, uh, more you, know, you can see stuff in context, yeah. you can see a whole spread. And I even say that in the book when I'm recommending a regular reading Bible for people. Okay, if you're going to get a regular reading Bible, I say, listen, paper trumps screen. And yeah. I don't want to sound like an old 43-year-old fart, you know, that's like, oh, typical ex-gener, you know, still thinks paper's better than screen. No, 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 I love screen. But there is something about paper 
Uh, when you mm. read the Bible on paper, you see more at once. Mm. And uh, it's just, I mean, people have done research on this, that it you um, people compute better. Yeah. They, they register more when they're reading on paper than you do on screen. It's just science. Oh, so, I can tell as well. I definitely comprehend it better if I'm reading on paper. But then I also yeah, oh good. But then I also don't know if I'd actually read the whole testament once if I was just reading on paper at the same time. So it's like a, I want to get through it once to get an overall big picture and then dive yep. deeper on the second way through or something. It's kind of my. But you're right, bro. That you're right to say that's confusing by the time you get to the prophets because while mm. occasionally when you read a prophetic book it is time stamped like a. A chapter might start by saying, in the third year of the reign of King, yeah. blah, blah, blah. You right. know, it starts by saying that. But when you're, unless you're in the zone and remember who the heck that king was. Yeah, sometimes and was he, it's you know, random king. I'm like, wait, sorry? Yeah, wait, what was going on there? And uh, so it can get it can get confusing. So that chronological order can be helpful. But that's why, you know, a lot of people give up on Bible reading because mm. the Bible is not laid out in a chronological fashion like you'd expect in a history book. You know, it's yeah. not laid out chronologically. And so right. it does get confusing. But that's the whole idea of, of my book and, and the title for the book. You know, you can handle the truth. You right. know, it's a way of saying, no, 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 no. Yes, the Bible can be appear confusing and it can appear complicated and it even can appear contradictory. All right, let's just mm. say it. Yes, it can. I get that. I know that. Let's admit that. But listen, you can handle it. You, you mm. do have what it takes to read the Bible and to read it well. So don't give up. Keep going. You do have what it takes. You can handle it. You just need to learn a few lessons, put a few things into play, and you'll start to get it. Mm. Yeah. Random question. Haven't haven't told you about this. What do you think about the Bible Project on YouTube? Oh, okay. So no, I, I I'd recommend people watch the Bible Project stuff. I think okay. um, they they have they're good. A bit like me, I'm a bit of a big picture guy. I think I right. even say that in in one of the chapters. I'm I'm the kind of person who I like to zoom out. And have a look at the big picture to help me establish what what's going on. And uh, I know they've done a lot of videos like that in the past. They'd they'd do a whole video on one book of the Bible and mm. say, "Here's the story of Hosea," and they'd zoom out and explain. Right. So I like that. Um, some of the the topics that they do um, are a little strange to some people. So they'll do videos mm. on various topics like the Divine Council, uh, which some people would be like, "What the heck? My pastor's never said that." get yeah, thee by right. me satan you know so yeah. uh, but it's a legit subject so some mm. people go they they look at a few obscure subjects maybe from time to time but now i mean generally speaking i would i would recommend them and they're targeted at your can i say our age group am i young now probably not <laughs> they, they, they're targeted at that age yeah. group so i think anything that um gets people into the bible is a good idea and one of the things i say right in the preface of my book and this is comes back to what i think a bible teacher should do is that i think you you can you know when you've left good Bible teaching when things are really clear to you. Right. Like if you hear a Bible teacher and you go, yep, that was clear, I get that, that's a win. But mm. it's also a win if you leave with questions, mm. if you leave curious, if you right. go, wow, I wonder about that. Because one of the best ways to learn is to ask questions, is to get curious so mm. you get into the scripture for yourself. So when I take the pulpit to preach in our church, or particularly if I'm in teacher mode, okay, I would deliberately make things very clear and then I'll occasionally throw out thoughts that are a little bit uncertain or people have a few different ideas about, but I'll deliberately do that to get people thinking because if I can get people digging into their Bible and getting curious about the scripture, that's a win for me. Mm. Uh, I don't, you know, so, and I think the Bible Project do that well. They have a clarity, things that are super clear that they're good on and then they raise things and you go, oh, that's, that's a bit interesting take, but if it gets you curious, that's a good thing. 
Yeah, I think it can often, as someone who's reading the Bible for the, the full, full way through for the first time, I think it can be scary to get curious because you're like, oh, I'm a Christian, but oh, I don't know if I actually want to find out about that. But then you <laughs> actually go and do research and find people smarter than you and find there's actually reasons behind everything. And like, as you said about contradictions, it does look like there's contradictions in the Bible when you read it at face value, or you'll see something like, oh, that's like, I don't think that's what God would do. Why did he do that? That's weird. And then often a lot of times for me, the Bible project are usually the people who like can clarify something for me. Like, oh, okay. Okay. That's why that happened. Or like, or also where you're talking about, um, actually, I don't think you talked about it, but it came to my head. You talk about how the whole Bible is a story that leads to Jesus, which I never realized until I first saw that by the Bible project. But then you also talk about that, which is a question mm. we're going to talk about later. But we can talk about that now. Um, what do you mean by the whole Bible being a story about Jesus, even for people who don't understand, like in the Old Testament, how does that lead to Jesus and after Jesus and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, well, there's a, there's a few ways you can approach that question. One is just to look at the word Bible itself. Like, what is the Bible, you know? Right. And the word Bible literally means a collection of books or a collection of scrolls. So right. the, the very word Bible means a library. So, <laughs> so we know that right away the Bible is not one book, it's many books. Okay, yeah. so most people know that we... Uh, our Bible, 66 books in, 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 the, in what we call the Protestant Bible. We won't get into the differences between that and the Catholic because <laughs> that's gone down a whole other track. Yeah. But, um, but we have the Bible say, yes, it is different books. However, it is one book. It's diverse, but it is unified, okay? And, uh, mm. and that's the part of the nature of the Bible. So, yes, it is one book. And while there are many stories and many characters and, and you know, two and a half thousand years or more, whatever, of, of, of history of God's people walking with him, uh, there is still a common thread and there is still, it's all pointing somewhere. And ultimately, it's pointing to Jesus. And we know this, really, because Jesus himself said it, you know. Right. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. in, uh, in April, just, you know, we celebrated Easter not all that long ago. Mm. And, and uh, you know, the, uh, when Jesus rised from the dead, he's walking with two people on the Emmaus Road uh, who didn't quite recognize him at first. You know, he has a meal with them. And, uh, and as they're, they're talking and is explaining who the Messiah is, it said he used the, the, the whole of the Old Testament and explained who they were. Uh, he said to the Pharisees at one point, he said, listen, now don't you understand that you, you, you want eternal life, uh, but you don't come to me? And he said, the whole Bible points to me. The scriptures uh, point to me, but you need to come to me to have life. So he's saying the very right. scriptures you quote talk about me. So even Jesus mm. was saying the whole Old Testament, that's the only Bible they had. Okay, right. They only had the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. It's pointing to me. And I liken mm. it toward the end of the book, you might remember, I say, listen, no matter how complicated or confusing or convoluted uh, certain passages may seem, one of the questions you can almost always ask of a passage of Scripture is, well, what does this teach me about God? Because mm. somehow the whole Bible is designed to reveal God to us. And the book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus is the perfect picture of God. He's the best. We've had pictures of God in the past. You know, Hebrews chapter one says in the past, God spoke to our Hebrew ancestors in all different types of ways and prophecies and dreams and visions and all sorts of stuff. But in these recent days, in these last days, he's spoken to us by the son, the exact representation of God, you know, God in the flesh. He is the perfect picture. And so the whole Bible paints us a picture of who God is. It climbs in the revelation of Jesus. And so it is one story. It's the story of God revealing himself to his people. Right. It's the story of 
those people <laughs> understanding who <laughs> God is. Like it's sort of this back and forth. Yeah. But ultimately, uh, the clearest picture we have is Jesus who brings all people or provides the opportunity at least for all people to come to him. And I kind of explain uh, it's a bit like the Karate Kid movie or a lot of a lot of movies that have mm. a big reveal at the end. You know, oh, I didn't see that coming, that, that, that type of thing. <laughs> and uh, if you were to watch Karate Kid all the way through the movie, you'd have, but then switch it off at the 100-minute mark, you'd mm. have no idea who the Karate Kid really was because it's right. only in the last five minutes that he truly reveals his glory. It's only in the last five minutes that you go, wow, Mr. Miyagi really knew what he was doing. You know, <laughs> wow, the Karate Kid is truly a champion and isn't it awesome that that the enemy was defeated. That is flipping mm. awesome. It all happens in the last five minutes. Now, the whole movie builds to that, you know, and you're kind right. of wondering, what the heck's Mr. Miyagi doing with his window washing? What the heck's that about? What is Daniel LaRusso really doing in this training? And it builds up to that final climactic moment. Well, the book, the story of the Bible is God revealing himself to man and people learning and, and walking with him in that journey. But it climaxes toward the end with the unveiling of Jesus. Mm. I love this. This is fun. I'm learning a lot. <laughs> I appreciate your wisdom. Let's do it, bro. That's okay. Oh, that's yeah. I also noticed, well, I also noticed the time. We've, we've currently really, it's been like over half an hour. We've only really covered a couple of questions. So I'll ask you a couple more. We, might, keep have going. To, we, might, we might have to throw in a part two in the table. But um, Look, at, until my do- my six-year-old daughter comes home from dance dance lessons and barges through the door, we're okay. <laughs> okay, great, great, great. Um, okay, you talk about literal and non-literal passages in the Bible, and mm. I think that can often be a source of uh, controversy. Maybe people yeah. mis misinterpreting, mis that's right, misinterpreting. Yeah, misinterpreting the Bible. Misinterpreting. Yep. Yeah. Um, how would you recommend people can discern the difference between um, literal and non-literal passages that are in the Bible? Okay, cool. Now that's great. So the whole. Uh, I'll step back a bit and say this. Yep. The whole design of my book is walking the reader through three big steps. Right. Step one, step two, step three. In fact, the subtitle of You Can Handle the Truth is so, Making Sense of the Bible in Three, three Simple steps. steps. I was right there on the cover, you know. Right. Uh, so, And the first step is basically you've got to read the book. Okay, that, that's the first bit. So the whole first mm. part of the book, uh, my book, we're talking about how to read the Bible well, because the first thing you need to ask yourself is, well, what does the Bible say? How do you handle the, the Bible, mm. Chad? Well, you got to read it first. You've got you to right. say, what does the Bible actually say? Yeah. But the second step is critical after that, and it's slightly different. The question is not, what does the Bible say, but what does it mean? Because what mm. the Bible says and what the Bible means are not necessarily the same thing. Right. And we've all had relationships where there's been a disagreement or a misunderstanding and someone said, well, I know that's what I said, but it's not what I meant, you know. <laughs> you misunderstood my uh, meaning. Yeah. And I just think, man, God must be like that all the time, looking at people yeah, going, true. I know that's what my Bible says, but it's not what I mean, you know. <laughs> you know, like, come on, people. Yeah. Because there can be a difference sometimes. And that second step is really important the, the technical term for it is exegesis. There you go, just to impress you, there's a technical term. But that's the technical term, and, and we're about discovering what did the author mean when he said these words. And one of the questions you need to ask in that second step is, well, is this particular author speaking literally or non-literally? Uh, right. Are they wanting 
to not be taken literally because sometimes mm. that is the case. And this is super obvious, man. You read the Gospel of, of John and uh, one of the things about John is that uh, it contains no parables. Okay, It's one of the unique things about John. John's right. very different to Matthew, Mark and Luke. We all know that, uh, but that's one of the things. However, Jesus in the, in the Gospel of John, while he may not speak in parables, he is still speaking over and over again in figures of speech. And it meant mm. that people really misread him. So at one point he says, listen, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. And everyone thought, you're an absolute clown. There's no way a carpenter's son can rebuild the temple in three days. And then it says, well, duh, they weren't talking. He wasn't wanting to be understood literally. He was meant to be understood figuratively because he was actually talking about his body. Even mm. when he goes to Nicodemus, right there in the in the chapter 3 of John, the famous John 3.16 comes from this passage, and he says, listen, if you want to enter the kingdom, you've got to be born again. And even Nicodemus, who had all the Bible you know, upbringing you can imagine, even yep. he misunderstood Jesus. And he right. said, what? How can I take that literally? Do you want me to go into my mum's womb again? And Jesus <laughs> is like, for goodness sake, mate. You know, I'm not, you're not meant to understand that literally there's another... I mean something different to what I actually said. The yep. woman at the well wants water, and Jesus said, well, I've got water that will never make you thirsty again. Is, right. it, is he talking about literal physical water? No, no, there's a spiritual reality. He said to yep. the disciples, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. He said to a crowd one day, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the people there misunderstood what he meant. Uh, they yeah. thought he was speaking literally, and they said, this guy's a crackpot. We don't want to have anything to do with cannibalism. Let's go. And it's yeah. right there in John, you know, John 666, as it turns out, just by pure coincidence. Oh. John 666, the crowds left him because they didn't understand what he meant. They knew what he said, right? but he didn't mean it literally. Mm. And so all through the Bible, uh, God uses, and there's Jesus himself using, non-literal lingo, non-literal language, and to discern when that is the case is one of the key things about understanding the meaning. Now, a lot of books on this subject, hermeneutics, and one of the most famous ones, it's 40 years old now, unbelievably, but it's mm. written by a Pentecostal theologian called Gordon Fee, and it's called uh, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. It's probably the best-selling book on this on this theme. As I said, it's as, almost as old as me. And they spend about 90% of their book talking about different genres of Scripture, how to read a parable, how to read a proverb, how to read a prophecy, how to read a psalm, how to read poetry, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so they right. dialogue about all that. It's helpful. Uh, you, if you read it, you probably forget most of it because it's again, it's quite. Oh, what's the rules for that genre? What's the rules for that genre? Yeah. I'm take a quite a just a simpler approach and just say, listen, it doesn't matter which part of the Bible you're reading, anywhere, everywhere, by every author, you'll come across non-literal language from time to time, and you just need to be aware of it. And I share some tips about how to discern uh, when something is literal and, importantly, when something is not to, supposed to be taken literally. And uh, so, yeah, but that, you're right, bro. That's where a lot of disagreements uh, come about in the Christian in the, in the Christian world and even the Jewish world. Of course, some things we all agree on. If if we all took right. Jesus literally about sinning with our hands and eyes, there'll be a lot of fellas walking around with no hands yeah. and no eyes. So oh, we definitely. kind of take. There, there's certain ones we go, yeah, I don't. I'm pretty sure that's one. It's not literal, but other ones we don't. You know, <laughs> it's not blood as and fire. 
No, other ones aren't as obvious. And particularly mm. if you've just read the prophets in the Old Testament, they speak often exaggerated. They talk about clouds, you know, clouds in the sky and, and the heavens and the earth shaking and, and suns fall, uh, stars falling. And, and they can mm. use all this language and you go, well, is that literal or is he actually trying to say something else? Like, so right. uh, there's a lot of scholarship about that. And again, it's not that complicated. There's some pretty clear guidelines to follow for you generally to understand the difference. Yeah, great. Uh, the, old, the old book you mentioned that came out 40 years ago, is that one of the big chunky ones? That's no, actually that's, no uh-huh. that's actually one of the reasons it's a, it's a better seller is uh, because it's actually it's, it's, it's a smaller paperback. But, uh, but yeah, but the main focus, the main focus of that book, like just off the top of my head, I'm going to say 90% fact check me on that, but whatever, but it deals with this one issue of genre. Uh, For me, for my book, I didn't think it was worth 90% of the content on genre, uh, but it incorporates, I think I do one, one chapter or one or two chapters on genre uh, or not even really on genre, but just on discerning when uh, something you're reading may be not literal, maybe figurative. And so I talk in there about tips of, I mean, sometimes the Bible just tells us it's a parable. So Jesus says, yeah, true. you know, it says Jesus told a parable. So you go, oh, okay, well, this is obviously wheat and tares isn't really wheat and tares. You know, there's there's something yeah. else, you know, that, that's going on behind the scenes. So sometimes the Bible says that. Sometimes it's just super duper obvious and you've just got to use some common sense, okay? So uh, when when, it, when the Bible says the rivers clap their hands and the trees shout yeah. for joy, Rivers don't have hands, mate. I mean, that's pretty obvious. <laughs> it's figurative language. Uh, the other thing that's a bit of a clue when you're reading something that's not quite literal is when there's repetitious numbers. Um, do you remember mm. that that part? Like sometimes, you know, like the Bible might say, the Lord bless you a thousand times oh, or yep. uh, the God will bless a thousand generations or the day, yep. day of the Lord is like a thousand years. You know, right. this is just... This is using numbers as a way that's not literal. You know, when Jesus said to yeah. Peter, you got to forgive your brother 70 times, seven times. Mm. You know, remember that story? Jesus didn't literally mean 490, you know, 70 times seven. Like you walk around with a forgiveness <laughs> right. app, you know, calculating, oh, how many times have I forgiven that person? You know, 396 isn't quite enough. Nah, mate, come on. 70 times seven, there's something about those numbers and Jesus is communicating something that's not meant to be literal. Um, now, of course, this is where a lot of disagreement comes in when you get to some prophetic books, like the book of Revelation, right. you know, dare we go there already. Sure. And uh, and people are talking about, well, there's 144,000. Okay, well, is that literal <laughs> or is that right. meant to be communicating something else? You know, the, right. the New Jerusalem's an image. Yeah, it's a communicating an image, you know, and all the measurements of the New Jerusalem, 12,000 by 12,000 by 12,000. Is that literal? Is that physical, uh, those measurements? Can you literally can you literally see the New Jerusalem, measure it out like a cube? Or is that just God's way of using the number 12 and, you know, 10 times 10 times 10, 1,000? Or is there something in there about that? Uh, is it just simply saying that the New Jerusalem is like the most holy place in the temple? Because the most holy place in the temple was a golden cube. So is it simply God's way of saying the new Jerusalem is God's holy place? Well, there you go. Let's debate about that, you know. (laughs) But the point is uh, one of the ways to detect non-literal language is when there's recurring numbers. It's a bit of a giveaway that you may not necessarily have to take it uh, literally. And then other times, men, you just have to rely on other people. So you have to do what you mentioned before. Go on the Bible project. 
look at a commentary, go on biblehub.com and read what other people have said, because there are experts around the world that have given the best part of their life to study the scriptures. And while it's good for people like you and me to nerd out on the Bible every now and again and, and chew the fat with people that love the Bible, yeah, we can learn. But uh, scholars, that you know, for the most part, they know what they're doing. You know, they've right. given the best part of their life to that. And they've studied ancient culture and they've studied the original languages and uh, they can help us understand what's literal and what's not. And that's where a good study Bible can come in, where if you choose a regular reading Bible, don't just mm. get one. My, my advice would be don't just get one that's just the Bible. Get one that's a study Bible that suits your personality or your main interest. So some people might have a study Bible that's devotional, so it brings out you know application and heart issues, that kind of thing. I'm the type of person, the study Bible that I've got uh, is one called the Cultural background study Bible. So the, mm. the study notes, as you read, have got nothing to do with theology. They've right. got nothing to do with how to apply this this Bible verse in your day today. Okay, it's got nothing to do with that. Mm. Everything about the, the notes and the commentary has to do with ancient culture and how True. similar or dissimilar what you're reading is to the ancient world and other cultures and, and then Israelite culture, etc. So that's the kind of thing that flicks my switch. And so I got a study Bible that that does that. So yeah, but say all that to say, we also rely on experts. Okay, don't read the yeah. Bible. I say right at the start of the book, how to read your Bible. I say, listen, don't read it uh, by yourself only, you know, read right. it for yourself, but don't only read it by yourself, read the yep. Bible with others. And that means dialoguing with other people. And it means drawing on the expertise of other people. Uh, God has put other people in the church, other people in the world mm -hmm. who know stuff that you will never know. And you've got to lean on them and rely on them. And right. that is also the case when it comes to understanding your question, what's literal, what's non-literal, or sometimes it's not that easy just listen to the experts and, and read other people and come mm. see what they think, you know? Yeah, it's, it's funny that you brought up the forgiving people 70 times, seven times, because I was the, two podcasts ago, I was talking to someone who's thought that literally and he had to he had to save his forgiveness for like later on in life. Like he doesn't believe that anymore, but when he... Okay, when oh, okay. He, yeah, no, don't, don't worry, don't worry. But when he like <laughs> first started like, when he first read that, he was like, oh, when he was a new Christian, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he doesn't believe it now. But he, okay, at cool. some point in his life, he thought everything in the Bible was just literal. And that's what I thought as well. Yeah. Like the first time you read it, you're like, oh, snap, okay, that's interesting. But then as you mature in the faith and you like, you learn, you go to church enough times, you spend time with Christians, you start to understand more stuff about like or everything you talk about in your book, um, all the practical sides of reading a Bible and everything's not actually as clear cut as just reading it word for word and taking yeah. it literally. So I think that's an important thing for people to learn. And also like so easy to take a single verse just out of context on like social media or any, anywhere. And like, if you want, like, it's actually really easy to bash the Bible if you wanted to. If, oh, you yeah. just take, if you just take a certain verse and like put your own narrative around it, it's super easy which is the yep. danger of that. So I think it's important that we talk about that sort of stuff, literal and non-literal and all of that. Um, yep. and, and to that point you made just then, that's a, it's a slightly different point, but taking a verse out of context. There's a, a whole section in the book where in this whole subject about um, how to understand what it means, okay, mm. I make the point of saying, well, listen, one of the things you need to do from time to time is compare Scripture with Scripture. So right. when you read something, it's just one verse or one passage, uh, and especially if it's something quite serious, like the conclusion that you're reaching is quite serious, yeah. don't reach a conclusion 
<laughs> unless you compare it with other similar scriptures. Mm. So if you read the, the, you know, I think it might be Acts chapter 4, something like that, and the apostles are preaching and they say, what must we do to be saved? And they say, repent and be baptized and you will be saved. And so right. you read that and you think, well, guess what? You have to repent and you have to be baptized in water or you're not saved. That's what that verse says, doesn't it? It mm. says repent and baptize and then you will be saved. So water baptism is a definitely a requirement for salvation. If you don't get baptized in water, you will not be saved. Now, there are cults that preach that and there are certain Christian sects that believe that. And right. the reason that they do is because they take that one verse. Well, a good Bible yeah. student doesn't do that. They will look at all the other verses on baptism and they'll right. compare that scripture with other baptism scripture. And not only that, they'd compare that scripture with other salvation scriptures, what you mm. must do to be saved. They'll compare them with that. And as you compare scripture with scripture, you'll find that they complement one another and give you a better picture. Right. And so that I've got a whole section of the book and there's example after example in there. I hope um, one of the things that often I get positive feedback from the book and one of the things I like to do as a pastor is not just tell people a concept, but then to say, okay, here's an example. Here's, yeah, great. here's a real life Bible example of how this works because yeah. some people, that's how they learn. They, they don't register things conceptually unless they see it working in front of them. And so I give example after example about here's an idea in the scripture. Let's compare it. Aha, that's how you come to a different conclusion, you know, or a more accurate conclusion. And so, yeah, context is really important, comparing scripture with scripture mm. because the Bible is consistent, man. While sometimes it appears contradictory, no, it's got one author. Truth yep. is consistent. Truth uh, doesn't contradict. Truth complements complements yep. each other. And so that's why we need to be an all Bible people, compare the Bible with itself, and the Scripture will ultimately interpret itself. The Scripture will explain itself. The best person to explain the Bible is the Bible. So, so, uh, so yeah, right. so keep reading. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I want to... We'll, we'll slowly start wrapping up. Um, cool. If there's one thing... Like you've already given so much value, and I feel kind of bad. I, but I feel good because I, I I already want to buy it. You already you gave me a copy, but I want to buy another one <laughs> already. You like I've learned so much. I read like half the book, and I've already learned so much again on top of this. And I think this is definitely going to be one of those books that I share around a lot because I think it's got so much value and so much um, power in it. And I'm probably going to buy a few copies as well. But anyway, um, what if you could wrap up with one tip you had to for someone listening to this if they've listened to all all of this and somehow haven't got anything for some reason um if you could give them one tip um that will allow them to more effectively read the bible whatever effectively means to you what do you think that would be okay i mentioned before intentionality and i think being right. intentional is a good thing if something's worth doing it's worth doing intentionally exercise right. Uh, gym, saving money, you know, investing into your family, being good at your job, your sport, whatever. If something's worth doing, it's worth doing intentionally. And yeah. getting to know the scriptures, getting to know God through the scriptures is worth doing. And uh, the wisdom that you have to live life on this planet and uh, to, to know God and to love other people, to be equipped to love other people and, and be effective in, in this life, uh, I think is worth knowing and that wisdom comes to us through the scripture and so be intentional about your bible reading i think that would be that would be one thing uh but secondly i've also just the, the illustration came to me and uh, i mentioned this uh, again in the book um you know here in australia 
Um, your, your Kiwi mates will understand this, but uh, <laughs> we've got a crazy game called Aussie Rules, right? Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I know you guys, you know, don't get it, so that's fine. But... I've played it. Well, like oh, you have, bro. Come well, on. In school, not like officially, but like. Okay, okay. In, in PE, I have. That's about it. Well, it is the best game on the face of the earth. And, uh, okay. But one of the things about when you watch a game of sport that you've never seen before, and one of the reasons when people watch Aussie Rules for the first time, they don't get it. They think right. it's. They think there's no rules. What are you talking about rules? There's no rules. These guys are running around all over the show. We don't know yeah. what's going on. And so when you don't understand how something works, it's easy to dismiss it and just go, ah, oh, that's stupid, you know. Mm. However, the more you watch a game of Aussie rules, the more you will pick up the rules. Right. Or the more you watch a game with an Aussie next to you and right. the Aussie explains the rules, the mm. more you will want to watch. Okay, that makes sense. Now I want to watch. And so these two things go hand in hand. The more you watch, the more you understand the rules. And the more you understand the rules, the more you want to watch. Right. And the more you watch, the more you understand. And the more you understand, the more you want to watch. And there's like this upward yeah. spiral of becoming familiar and becoming a fan. You know, I'm, mm. I'm more familiar, now I'm more of a fan. And bro, those two things with the Bible are also true. Mm. If you've struggled to read the Bible before, number one, Keep reading it. Keep watching the game. Okay, just stay in the game because the more you read the Bible, the more you will understand it. And secondly, right. get a book like this on hermeneutics or yep. get get involved in a Bible study or someone that can explain to you the rules of Bible reading. Just like yep. there are rules to AFL, there are rules to league rugby, you know, uh, and union or whatever. There are rules. If you understand the rules, ah, that'll help me play the game or help me watch the game better. And so both those things. Learn mm. how the Bible works by reading a book like this and read the Bible for yourself because if you do both of those things, you'll find yourself becoming more familiar and more of a fan. So mm. if there's someone listening today and they just want to take one thing away, it's give it another go, you mug. Have a go. Have a go. <laughs> and uh, just give it another go. Be intentional about it. But part of your intentionality is also wanting to understand how it works. And so that might mean drawing on others Bible project videos like you've done, mm. uh, you know, uh, a Bible study or a book like this, you know, a podcast yep. like this that, uh, that talk about the subject of hermeneutics. Again, that's a fancy term, but that's the term that basically means Bible interpretation. How are we supposed to understand the Bible? Hermeneutics is the subject matter. And that's what I hope uh, my book does is it helps inspire people to say, yeah, you can do it. Admittedly, there's hard bits, but you can do it. And here's some practical things. Here's some examples in a non-threatening way that hopefully anyone can understand. Yeah, no, that's great. A couple of things on there. I think that's one of the main reasons I wanted to finally just get through the Old Testament was because I wanted to, everyone's always told me like getting into the Bible can be hard for people, but once you get going, mm -hmm. Once you start enjoying it and start learning about it, it gets a whole lot easier. So that's why my thing's always been, well, not always been, but recently it's been on my way to work, I'll, I'll listen to an hour and that usually gets around 10 chapters. In. And as you said, it's not always the best way to comprehend everything about it, but it is a good way to get going, get some momentum and to understand the bigger picture of the Bible. Because for example, this is the first time I've read the New Testament a couple of times, but now all of a sudden I'm looking well, I'm about to get to the point where Jesus comes into the story and now I can see it from a perspective that we're actually already halfway through the story. This isn't actually like the beginning where everything started. And so now my perspective of the Bible is completely changed. I'm like, whoa, this awesome. it just feels different. 
and it's of course. looking at it from a whole different picture. So I think, and that's exciting for me. Like on my yeah. to work, that's actually like one of my hearts of the day. I get to jam the Bible for an hour in the morning. And that's actually a part I enjoy. I get to learn. And I think doing that, just, you know, get, digging in and just get, starting to get into the Bible makes it a whole lot easier. And if you're just reading, like, as we talked about, if, we, if you're reading a chapter a day of Leviticus, like it's going to be hard and you're probably, yeah. if you're not committed, you're just going to stop. And so I yeah. think find a way where you can enjoy the Bible and learn about it. And also about your book, I think it's a great way of simplifying all these, what probably should be simple, but we can really overcomplicate all these stuff you've been talking yeah. about with context and translations and everything. And I think you do a really good way of simplifying everything down into a way that anybody listening to this can very easily understand all these very important things about the Bible that would then again get them, as you said, about sitting down with someone who knows what they're talking about and actually just learning and sort of getting started. And I think that's going to be an amazing resource for anyone. Even for me, like I was going to say an amazing, amazing resource for anyone who's just starting out in their faith. But I mean, I've been a Christian for seven years now and this is amazing for me. And that's so, awesome, bro. And, and, and that's the tone of the book too. Like it's not a technical mm. tone or a scholar. I'm not a scholar, you know. Right. Uh, it's not a technical. It's like a mentoring tutoring hey let me sit with you and chat 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 through this with you type of sit down conversation type of tone and uh yeah i think that's great hey before you start reading the new testament i think that's awesome what you said because you're right the new testament most christians are familiar with the new testament because most pastors preach on it more right right and it's sort of we think it makes more it's more relevant to us or makes more sense to us or whatever but having just read the old testament through you're going to mm. notice things in the new testament you hadn't noticed before yeah, and that true. that is because the whole new testament man it's not its own thing you know right. it came out of it was written by people who knew the old testament by heart it, it comes yeah, from right. all of that history and uh, all of that uh, that context so but what i have done what i did think is before you start your new testament check mm. out my youtube look at that playlist yep that's called chronological Bible or Bible in a year chronological, something like that. Yeah. And I've actually done a video of what happens between the Old and New Testaments. There's a 400-year gap oh. and actually give you a little bit of a history lesson of what's not in the Bible, okay, of what happens so that when you read the New Testament, you now have an idea of who the Romans are and who right. the uh, why the Pharisees, who the heck are they? They're not in the Old Testament. Yeah, you know, where true. did they just come from, you know? So right. it's a bit of a, but a lot happened in that 400 years. So uh, it, it does help to have some understanding of the history in that time. Uh, mm. So that, yeah, that could be a could be a helpful thing before you start. Oh, and if yeah. someone if someone's like you, they're like, okay, I really struggle. I just want to read something that's easy. My New Testament encouragement generally mm. is Luke and Acts back right. to back. Like that is Luke and Acts back to back because you will read all about Jesus and then you'll go straight into reading about the church after Jesus uh, right. went to heaven. And Luke and Acts is written by the same person. It's actually... Yeah like a part one, part two. It's like a volume right. one, season one, season two, your <laughs> favorite Netflix series, okay? So yeah. you binge binge Luke and then binge Acts uh, hand in hand, side by side. That's how they're meant to be read. Uh, and so I'd suggest that for the New Testament if, and you'd get a vibe of the story. You'll get an idea uh, mm -hmm. and it's really easy listening because it's 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 mainly storytelling with, with some teaching in there, but uh, mainly storytelling. And in the Old Testament, again, generally, if you just want to read stuff, uh, generally the storytelling books, like what we right. call narrative rather than the prophets. Now, the prophets do yep. have some history in them, but generally because they speak poetically and exaggeration and judgment and brimstone, you know, <laughs> they're a little bit hard. But something like Samuel I mentioned before yeah. or even Kings, they're yep. generally speaking, it's just telling a story. 
Uh, those are probably my favorite. Tell the story. No, oh, cool. I've like almost got through the Old Testament. The, like those sorts of books were definitely like I'll be listening to them. I'm like, oh, I'm like, yo, this this is mean. Like I'm actually like really into the story. It's okay. not like, oh, I need to read my Bible. I was actually like, oh, okay, this is actually really interesting. I need to figure and, out what's going to happen. I mean, Samuel, you know, we could actually call the books of Samuel the books of David because David is the main yeah, character yeah. Uh, in those, really. But uh, but there's just drama, man. I mean, you got the <laughs> you just got all the family issues and stuff, and yeah. and uh, and David's a pretty cool cat. So you could turn um, that into he, a Netflix show. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah. Be a good yeah, series. The life life of David would be like worse than reality TV, I think. <laughs> all the all the dramas that happen there. Yeah. But true. uh yeah. So Paul, hey, um if, if people leave this podcast wanting to know more about the Bible or say, okay, I'll give it a second shot, you know, it might be like going to the going back to the gym if you haven't been for a while and your muscles might be a bit sore when you first start, but just keep going, press through, you'll get mm. better. And uh, you will pick things up, and you you definitely be better for it. Just don't do it alone. Do it with other people, and uh, just keep at it. Be intentional, and learn how the Bible uh, the Bible works. And so, hopefully, you can handle the truth. Uh, helps helps with that, and people can get that. Yeah. I guess in New Zealand, you, you get your books through Amazon. Yeah, Is that kind of normal you can do for that. you? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, whatever. Is that, so. Uh, is is Amazon? We're going to talk about it, but is Amazon the only place you sell? Your book? Nah, oh, nah. People can just look it up. And whatever their favorite bookshop is, and it should oh. be there. But if okay. it's not, I mean, Amazon's an easy default. But it comes in uh, paper paperback, which is the one I sent you, which yep. I love because you can really appreciate. Oh, that's all my highlighting. But you can really appreciate the illustrations. There's bonus articles uh, in there from from yeah. time to time to help keep your interest. I love paper, and so uh, I think it's worth getting the paperback. But ebook is also available. And uh, if people want Audible uh, or audio book, really? not necessarily on other platforms have it as well, but I actually narrate the book myself, So, wow. which I think is how you should read a book. I, I yeah. hate listening to audio books and I know the preacher, I know the author. I know I, someone oh, dude, else. that's not his voice. Yeah, I, you know, you yeah. don't get the rhythm and the tone. So, uh, yeah. But I narrate it myself and uh, I narrate it fairly slow because I've got friends in Asia and, and overseas that, mm, that love my stuff. And so I've narrated it quite succinctly, but you can always do 1.1 or 1.2 yeah. speed or whatever. And you I know. always listen to my but, podcast but yeah. on 1.2. Yeah, bro. Yeah. But then the funny thing is I started listening to my own podcast and I'm like, wow, I talk fast. Like, Oh snap. yeah. This, yeah. And then I think it's a New Zealand and a Aussie thing. I think we talk fast. And so I'm like, oh, I need to put my own one. I think it's because I listen to everyone else on their podcast at 1.2. Then now when uh. I speak, I'm, as if I'm speaking at their 1.2 because I listen to like Americans podcast at what just normal 1.0 speed. I'm like, it's so slow now. And that's not because it used to be, but I'm just used to it being at 1.2 and I think it's made me speak faster. I don't know. Oh, so yeah. People might if notice that when they listen to this. If, if you're sitting down for four hours of Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson, you, you might want to uh, put a 1.2 on to, uh, to, <laughs> yeah. to speed the lads up, you know? Yeah, because I thought I put it back to one. I'm like, this is in slow motion. Like, what the heck? <laughs> and I realized I've just been listening to 1.2 like for the past two years and I'm just used to it. But, um, okay, I mean, I did say we're going to talk for about half an hour. It's been over an hour. Um, Dude, you, talked let's about go. You, you talked about where we can find your book. Is there anywhere else you want to promote a website or anything, social media? Where could people find out more about you? Well, dude, all you need to know is my name, really, and 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 <laughs> yeah, DuckDuckGo or do, Google does the rest, doesn't it? So, uh, mm. but Chad Mansbridge, Mansbridge, um, it's Chad Mansbridge. Yeah, Chad Mansbridge. Dot com. You'll have links. Uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I do have. I, I don't have a regular. Po my podcast on iTunes and Spotify is a lot of my on the road 
preaching and for the last two years I haven't been oh, on the road all that much, you oh, know. True. But uh, but I do have a podcast and people can look at, uh, in fact, there'll probably be a couple of messages on there from New Zealand from for the Kiwis out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, some of that would just have, just it's just preaching, just, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever, if you, if you enjoy a good preach. Uh, look me up on YouTube, of course, that Chronological Bible reading plan yeah. has all those lessons but there's also some other stuff in fact on youtube you'll find on my personal channel for chad mansbridge you'll find um lesson one of a video course so mm. yes paperback audio book ebook but also video course now i'm just finalizing the packaging of that i've run a beta test of it in my own church for a couple of groups and i'm just putting together the workbook and that kind of thing but basically it's a seven part uh small group course people can do it on their own but it's designed for a small group like a bible study so you kind of sit down you watch a video i'm there on camera and it's not like this it's a proper oh. studio i've got a mate who's got a good studio in his church and i and yep. i paid him to get proper camera people in <laughs> spent money on it so it's a, it's a good quality uh, down the camera type of uh, uh teaching and then people go home read the chapters uh, that that was relevant to and then discuss it in a small group with a workbook the next week so keep an eye out for that that'll be out sometime this year uh if people can probably keep in touch with that on my socials yep. or uh, my email list or whatever but that'll be a that's really good and it's uh you know we've run it twice as i said in my church it'll be it's really good quality and i say that to say that lesson one is on my youtube channel so you can actually watch lesson right. one for free and uh, get an idea of what that course is going to be like Yep. Mm, smart uh, yeah i've done some a lot of the stuff where i've learned the most was from pastors doing that sort of thing doing online courses just straight it sounds exactly what you described and i think there's oh, cool. been one i don't know how you feel about john bevere but i think he had a really good what well, was about eternity it's about like heaven and hell something like real heavy and i'm like oh st- I, I haven't actually finished it but i started i'm like oh snap this is yeah i insane. can't remember the name is it living for eternity or something can't remember the name of that one. Something along I, those lines. There's there's been a few things about John's I haven't quite vibed that well with, but mm. years ago, his years ago, like in my early <laughs> days of pastoring, uh, his bait of Satan course. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm not going to say it saved me, but it like it was like the right, right. word at the right time yeah. uh, for me. And just talking about the power of offense of people getting offense in their heart, right. and uh, and what that can do to people, what it can do to you. And mm. so, yeah, that was really important for me at that time, and that was that was gold. Hey, mm. he's gone consistent, uh, man. You know, from from so far, he's <laughs> been consistent in ministry for decades. Doesn't have any right. scandals that I'm aware of behind him. So. <laughs> Good on yeah. you won't hear any negative words from me about him. You know, great. Well, honestly, I've had a lot of fun. I've even after well, I've read half your book and I I honestly can't wait to get through the rest of it. Like it's actually a really good read. I'm learning a lot. I know everyone listening cool, to this man. is gonna learn a lot. And they should definitely check out the book. Again, like all the links and everything will be in the description below. But I just want to say thank you, giving up an hour of your time. Like I've had a lot of fun. It's been a really good chat. I've learned a lot. And I know what you're doing is gonna change people's lives and not because like when people can understand the Bible better, it's not like it's not like you're saving people. That's that's Jesus, but you're you're leading people towards enjoying the Bible and enjoying getting to learn about God and all that sort of stuff. Which I think is such a huge role that can often mm. be overlooked. And as you said, there's not actually really any good resources about simple to read, straight to the point, like good quality content about where they can learn all that sort of stuff. And I think you have filled a gap. And I think, as I said, it's going to change people's lives. And I, I appreciate it. I appreciate what you've done in my life. And I can't wait to learn more from everything you've done. Awesome, bro. Good word. What can I say to that? That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. 
Hey, thanks so much for checking out this week's episode of the Son of Man podcast. I hope it brought you as much value as it did to me. And if you did enjoy it, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to this. It really helped more ambitious Christians just like yourself all around the world get some of this knowledge that we discussed today. Also, if you'd like to dive deeper into any of the topics we discussed today, I've actually got a free private Facebook group uh, that is filled with people just like yourself, people who are trying to achieve their God dreams, that you can head over. The link will be in the show notes or in the description below and go check that out. Anyway, guys, hope you have a great day. I'll be back here next time, same time, same place, next week. And I'll see you guys there. Peace out.